0: 21, and we're going to go all the way through verse 52 uh, this morning. So, if you need a Bible, just raise your hand, and we'll get a Bible right to your seat so you can follow along with us. Anybody need a Bible? Just raise your hand up high. Turn to Luke chapter 2, verse 21. Please be praying for my daughter, Laura. She's going in on Tuesday. That's right, to have my uh, little granddaughter come out into this world. And so uh, I'm excited about that. You know, I don't think your guitar target any higher as she's playing. So I'm, <laughs> I'm sure she's ready for that. And uh, I'd just be praying. And then uh, we'll be watching the little Hadley, our one-year-old, for about four days. So her one-year-old. So uh, be praying for us, too. <laughs> girl doesn't stop. <laughs> All right. Telling my message this morning is top priorities for 2023. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time we can spend together in your word. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for the work that you're doing in our lives as we dig into your word and you reveal things to us that we need to hear personally and as a church corporately. That we might know you better and serve you with more fervor and that we might Fall in love with you more and more each and every day, Lord. We thank you for the work of your Spirit in our lives as we dig into your Word, as it has the power to change our lives, Lord. And so uh, we pray that you speak to our hearts from your Word, Lord. We pray if there's anyone here that doesn't know you, or anyone watching online this morning that's never made that commitment to follow you, they're not born again this morning, Lord. We pray that you would open their hearts, they would see that they would know that they have a need for a Savior. They would see their sin and turn from it today and find you to be their Lord and their Savior. So we pray for them. We pray your blessing upon our time together. We commit it to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey guys, there's a little bit of a ringing in my mic up here. It could be. I'm just old and I'm hearing a ringing in my ear, but hey. What are your priorities for 2023? I read a story about four associates who decided to play a round of golf on Sunday morning instead of going to church. None of their scores were good, and on top of that that the embarrassment of it all, it began to rain. Well the men returned to the clubhouse. Well we'll just go get something to eat, we'll hang out together. Well they returned to the clubhouse, but the, the, there's been no there's no power because lightning hit the, the lightning hit the electricity there and so the restaurant was closed. So now the men are making a mad dash for their cars, and one of them remarked, hey, we, we could have just as well gone to church this morning. Well, another man disagreed. He said, oh, no, I couldn't have gone to church this morning. My wife was homesick in bed. Okay, it didn't go over, well, first service, it didn't go, let's try this one. One more. A group of friends went deer hunting and paired off for two days of hunting. That night, one of the hunters returned alone, staggering under the weight of a 200-pound deer. Well, the other hunters asked, where's Bob? The lone man said, oh, he had a stroke of some kind. He's a couple of miles back up the trail. Well, the hunters were shocked and asked, why did you leave Bob there and carry the deer out instead? He said, well, it was a tough call, he said, but but I figured no one was going to steal Bob. Priorities. (laughs) Priorities. <laughs> As we enter the new year, it's time to reevaluate our priorities. To look at the examples of those from Scripture who had their priorities right in the right order and saw the blessings of God that came from having their priorities in the right order. Now, if you're a note taker this morning, we're going to look at three things. We're going to look at the priorities of Mary and Joseph the priority of Simeon and Anna and the priority of Jesus. So in our first scene it opens up with this young couple's priority to go to the temple in obedience to the Lord, the priority of Mary and Joseph. Look at verse at verses 21 to 24. And when eight days were completed for the circumcision of the child, his name was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Now when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were completed, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two pigeons. So here in our very first scene, we see Joseph and Mary as parents committed to following the Lord when it comes to raising Jesus. When it comes to their priorities and what their passion was, it was following and obeying the Word of God. See, according to Genesis chapter 17, verse 12, after eight days, there was to be the circumcision. And here they are obeying God's Word. Eight days later, they're bringing Him to be circumcised. And they named their son Jesus, again, obeying the Word. Remember, the angel of the Lord had instructed Mary in Luke one thirty one. You, you will conceive in your womb... And bring forth the son, and you shall call his name Jesus. The name Jesus is very fitting. It's from the Greek form of the Hebrew name Joshua, which means Yahweh is salvation. And that was Jesus' purpose in coming to this, this earth, our salvation. We'll see as we go along in the Gospel of Luke that Jesus will say in Luke 9, verse 56, and Luke 19, 10, For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And we know God's priority, first and foremost for our lives, is to know Him. And if you don't know Him this morning, I pray that you do. And we know Him, how? Through His Word. And obeying His Word. Mary and Joseph knew what God's Word said, and they took steps to follow what God said. Because after these eight days, after the circumcision and the naming of Jesus 32 days later, they made the trip again from Bethlehem to Jerusalem for what was called the ritual of purification. That also, according to God's Word, Leviticus chapter 12. Still following God's Word. Which for them at that time would not have been an easy thing to do considering their circumstances. We need to understand that what Mary and Joseph were going through at that time. Here they are desiring to, to follow the Lord, following His instructions, so they come to the temple all the while knowing that there would be people that they're looking at them with disdain. No doubt looking at Mary and Joseph with eyes of skepticism because of her being pregnant before she was married. And, oh really, come on, you got pregnant for a like, Yeah, okay, yeah. But regardless of that attitude towards them, that no doubt was there, Mary and Joseph obeyed God's word and went right into the temple and did that which God called them to do. Same way, it doesn't matter what people may say about you, what people may say about me. Our top priority, the main thing in our lives, is to obey God's word, period. Let them talk. We're going to do what God's called us to do, no matter what. And Mary and Joseph were able to walk right into the temple, not care what people may have thought or said under their breath. They obeyed God's word. Now, it wasn't this Time that they were to offer the sacrifice of a lamb, or if they couldn't afford a lamb, they would offer two turtle doves as an act of dedicating their firstborn to the Lord. Now, the fact that in verse 24 it says they offered doves tells us that Mary and Joseph were not rich, but they were poor. And I think how fitting that is, because the Apostle Paul would write in 2 Corinthians 8, verse 9, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. Jesus was born into this world, not in a rich family. He was born into this world in a poverty situation and circumstance, so that he might be able to be for us our riches and glory. So we have Mary and Joseph obediently taking that step of faith, following God's word to them, making it a priority to walk in His ways, to obey His word. And as a result, we're going to see that they're about to be blessed beyond compare, greatly encouraged. That brings us to our second point, the priorities of of Simeon and Anna. Look now at verse 25 all the way down to verse 38. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, which you have prepared before the faith of all the peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marvel at those things which were spoken of him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Verse 36, Now there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age and had lived with her husband seven years from her virginity. And this woman was a widow of about 84 years who did not depart from the temple but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of Him to all those who looked for redemption in Jerusalem. So in these verses we see that God had two people for Mary and Joseph to meet. Two people that God would use to bless and encourage Mary and Joseph. Now these two stand out in Scripture, uh, one, because of their, their great age. They're pretty up there in age, and really they stand out for us on how to grow old gracefully. That shows us that even in their old age, the importance of having God's priorities in our lives. You know, I I believe that growing old is, is tough for almost anyone. It's been said, you know you're getting old when you try to straighten out the wrinkles in your socks and you realize you're not wearing any socks. It says, you know you've been getting old when everything hurts and what doesn't hurt doesn't work. It says, you know you're getting old when your knees buckle and your belt won't. You know you're getting old when people no longer view you as a hypochondriac. I thought that was funny. You know you're getting old when you bend down to tie your shoes and you wonder what else you can do while you're down there. Been there, done that. You know you're getting old when your ears are hairier than your head. Sadly, our society doesn't look favorably upon the aging process. More than any other society, we are a culture that's infatuated with the youth. We are infatuated with feeling young and looking young and staying young. And we don't like to admit that we are getting older because then people can start to get depressed when they get old and some even start to give up. But they shouldn't because the elderly have so much to offer. And we see it here with Simeon and Anna. These two elderly saints are a great example to us of what it means to grow old gracefully. Now, when we talk about old here, we're talking really old, okay? Let's look at each of them for a moment. First, Simeon. Want to look at who he was and what he said and what was his top priority in his life. Tradition tells us that Simeon was 113 years old. That's old. I read the oldest woman living today is is 118 years old and the oldest man is is 113. We're told in verse 25 that Simeon was a just and devout man. That that speaks really, uh, just speaks of his relationship to other men. It means he was dependable. Devout speaks of his relationship to God. It means he was devoted to the Lord, devoted to God. What a great combination in a man who was dependable with people and he was devoted to God. Second thing to note about Simeon was he was waiting for the Messiah. Verse 25 says he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. The word consolation means to, to console, is to alleviate grief or to take away a sense of loss or trouble. He was waiting for the Messiah to come to alleviate grief. In fact, many in Israel at the time were, were, were thought of the consolation, waiting for the consolation of Israel, for the Messiah to come. But they wanted him to, to to bring the political and national freedom. But the consolation that Jesus would bring was better than any political freedom that they could have hoped for. He gave them spiritual freedom. He gave them forgiveness of sin, hope for eternity. Third thing we see is that he was filled with the Spirit. And the fourth thing is he hung out at the temple. So if you put it all together, you have a, a just man, a man people liked because he could be counted on. When he said he would be there for them, he was. He was devoted to the Lord. He was a man of God. He was a man of prayer. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. A man who's waiting for the coming of the Lord, who wasn't hung up with a lot of peripheral things, and he was a man who hung out at the temple. Man, what a way to go. What a, what a way to be. I mean, here he was, a man whose top priority was God. And the fulfillment of God's word to him, predicting that the Messiah would come. Look at verse 26. It says, And it has been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So my guess is, he's been waiting a long, long time, wondering, Lord, how much longer do I have to live for? And I can just picture him there in that temple in Jerusalem, walking day by day, looking at people as they're bringing the couples. The couples are coming in, and they're bringing their babies in, and going, "Lord, is this the one? Lord, is that the one? Is this the one?" And so he can "Lord, is this? Lord, is this the? Police? Lord, is this the one? Finally, maybe this one." So here he is in the temple doing his daily prayers, old guy, and then walks Mary and Joseph with baby Jesus. And I picture him, if you've ever seen Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, that old knight, you know, as Indiana Jones walks in, the knight can barely stand because he's sold and says, I knew you would come. And that's what I picture Simeon like, you know. And then walks Mary and Joseph and Jesus. Now imagine what it must have been like to be Joseph and Mary, to walk into that temple once again, in that atmosphere clouded with suspect and judging going on, to have this Elderly man walk up to Mary and Joseph and say, "Hey, can I hold your baby for a moment?" I don't know if you've ever had a stranger walk up and ask to hold your baby. It's a little unnerving. No, I don't. I don't think so. Not knowing what's about to happen, they say, "Sure." Verse twenty-eight. He took him up in his arms and blessed God. And I'm certain at this point, the tears of joy are just running down Simeon's face. He cries out. Look at verse twenty-nine. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the faith of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. So here was a man who was led by the Spirit of God, taught by the Word of God, obedient to the will of God, waiting for the promise of God and privileged to see the salvation of God. And it's just oh so overwhelming. He just just rings out in praise to the Lord. It's coming to pass. Here is the promise. This is who I'm holding in my hand is salvation. He's a salvation for Israel. Simeon's song here really is a song of salvation. He says in verse 29, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace. And I love the word that Simeon used for, for depart. The word means in a literal context, To untie a ship and to sail away, or to take down a tent, or to release a prisoner. Boy, isn't that a great description of what happens when a person gets saved? He's released as a prisoner from that prison of sin and guilt and shame. Set free through the blood of Jesus Christ. But not only set free, but untied like the ship that's ready to sail. You know, before we came to Christ, we were like that boat tied up at that dock, unable to please God. Unable to really enjoy life as God intended us to to live. But in Jesus Christ, we've been untied. We've been set free, set loose to sell. And just as the wind powers that sailboat to cruise through the water, so God's Holy Spirit empowers us to cruise through this Christian life and leads us to really enjoy life and experience that God has intended for our lives. A Spirit-filled life. A Spirit-empowered life. You see, salvation is having that guilt and that shame taken away, removed. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight 28-30, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So many people today, are burdened down by so many things, all oh, my financial situation, while well, well, this relationship I'm having, oh man, it's just a burden of the cares of this world, loneliness, the fear of death. but the most burdens, burdensome thing of all is that of sin and guilt. Listen, Jesus' words to those that are burdened down. He didn't say, "Hey, if you're burdened down, find a good 12-step program to get you, get out of that, that way you're at. No, he doesn't say that. He simply says, "Hey, come to me." Come to me, all of you that are burdened. I will give you rest. I will teach you. I will help you. You see, when you come to Christ, He's our burden lifter. He's our burden bearer. He takes all of your burdens and, and He carries them for you. But you got to cast them on Him. you got to give them to Him. Don't carry them yourself. Now, I also like, within this word, depart, I think it really what, was where Simeon was at in his own life. He was ready to depart from this earth. Because this word depart also means as a tent that is ready to be taken down. Now, the Bible tells us that our bodies are like tents that, are, that you know, our spirits dwell in. The real you is, is in a tent. Now, for some of us, that tent has seen better days. <laughs> it's been blowing in the wind a little too much. The rain has kind of beaten down on it. It's been dried out and it's, it's ready to come down. Now, the great news is Jesus said, in my Father's house are many mansions. I'm going to go and I'm going to prepare a place for you that where I am, you may be also. Not a bad trade, a tent for a mansion. I'll go with it. See, Simeon was saying, I can let down my tent in peace. I can go knowing that I'm going to be with my Lord forever. I've seen my salvation. I have peace in my life because I know God has saved me and I'll spend eternity with the Lord. What about you today? Could you say the same thing? What if today was the day your tent was coming down? Would you have the hope of heaven? Are you experiencing the life the Lord intended for you? Are you free? Are you bound by sin and guilt? Are you selling under the power of the Holy Spirit? Are you tied up at the dock and rowing in the energy of your flesh? Have you given all your burdens and cares to the Lord? Are you still carrying them yourself? You see, Simeon says that Jesus has come in verse 32 as a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles And the glory of your people, Israel. See, here's the first indication in Scripture that Jesus, although coming to speak to Israel first, would then, at their disappointing response, give to the Gentiles the same hope that was originally given to Israel. That the non Jew can have salvation if you come to Christ. Salvation would come for all. One more point to make on Simeon before we move on. He moves from his song of salvation, praising God, to a prophetic word. Look at verse 34 through 35. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. So Simeon here seems to be speaking prophetically of the sword that would pierce Mary's heart he tells Mary that what's going to happen with this child will literally it's going to break your heart and we know that as Mary stood beneath that cross and watched her son die on that cross it was with a broken heart of course her suffering had nothing to do with our salvation and her suffering had nothing to do with her salvation her suffering was due to that human relationship she had with Jesus she was his human mother She had brought him into this world and raised him. He was her son. And in John 19, 26, when our Lord looked down from the cross, he said, woman, behold thy son. This was a human relationship that was there that no one else had. She was suffering as his mother. And at that time, this prophecy of Simeon was fulfilled. The sword pierced through her soul. But let me say this. This sword, as it pierced Mary's heart, does the same thing through God's Word. See, Hebrews 4.12 tells us that the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. See, the Bible says concerning God's Word that as it goes forth, it's going to accomplish what it's set out to do. So this near new year, as you make the Word of God the priority in your life, God's going to accomplish something great in your life. Because as the Word goes out, it's going to poke you in areas that you don't want to be poked in. It's going to jab you a little bit. You're going to, oh, I don't like that. It may even pierce your soul and cause you and I to consider, where are you at with the Lord? It's going to encourage you. It's going to strengthen your soul as you begin to hide God's, hide God's Word in your heart. But another amazing thing about the Word of God, the sword, it even works in the lives of those who don't know the Lord. You see, we read God sees everything, and one day we'll all have to give an account for our life. In verse 13 of Hebrews chapter 4 it says, And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. God sees everything. So either salvation will come for the person hearing the Word of God and obeying it, or it will bring judgment on the person hearing the Word of God and rejecting it. Either way, God's Word is going to have its work and what it's set out to do. Isaiah 55:11, So shall my Word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I send it. God will be glorified, and it will prove that He is a just and righteous God. And on Judgment Day, when His Word goes forth again, If you rejected Jesus Christ, God will say, depart from me. I never knew you. I gave you every opportunity to come to know me. My word went forth. You heard it. You need to repent of your sin to give my life, but you rejected it. You can't say, Oh, I never heard it before. The Lord will say, okay, really? Okay. Hey, Gabriel, hit play in that video over there. And there you are, January 8th, 2023, Calvary Chapel, Springfield, sitting there, listening, or maybe you're online watching, and you hear the word of God go forth, the invitation to come to Christ, and yet you refuse, and you turn away and reject Jesus Christ. And God will say to you on that day, depart from me, I never knew you. I pray that's not you this morning. But you see, my point is, either way, as God's word goes forth, God will be glorified, and His word will be accomplished in our lives. Be it judgment or salvation. So as Mary and Joseph made it their top priority to obey the word of the Lord, they went to the temple. God, in turn, blessed them in their obedience with confirmation from Simeon, who also made it his top priority to obey the Lord and for him to say, this is the Savior of the world. Verse 30 says, for my eyes have seen your salvation. What a blessing. What an encouragement that must have been for this young couple. But not only was Simeon an encouragement to them, but also we read about Anna and the priority of her life. Look now at verse 36 to 38 again. Now there's one Anna prophetess, the daughter of Phineal of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age and had lived with her husband seven years from her virginity. And this woman was a widow of about 84 years who did not depart from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of Him to all those who looked for redemption in Jerusalem. Now, if she was a widow for 84 years, she was married for only 7 years, that makes 91. And if she got married, let's say when she was 14 years old, as would be the cousin, they married John back there, that would make her some 105. So we're talking... Old here, 113 for Simeon, 105 for Anna. Again, that should be encouraging for all of us. That means for everyone here this morning, we've got a long way to go before we're considered being old. But think about this. Anna was probably only around 20 or 21 years old when her husband died. Now, having gone through a tragedy like that, she could have very easily become bitter, resentful towards God, but instead she became better. She became blessed. Rather than becoming old and fatigued and frustrated, she was devoted to the Lord. And she ended up uh, being blessed with this opportunity to to see the Messiah and blessing Mary and Joseph as well. So what made this woman so special? Well, Luke gives us a few hints here. Two things in particular that, that Anna made as a priority for her life. First, after her husband died, we read in verse 37 that she gave herself to fasting and prayer night and day in the temple. She didn't give into the temptation of of getting caught up in self pity, or turning to the world to find satisfaction, to fill that emptiness, or trying this relationship or that relationship. She wasn't clubbing it in the you know Jerusalem nightclubs. She didn't sign up for you know eharmony.com or Christianmingles.com. She wasn't a member of the Jerusalem Singles Club. Instead, she gave herself wholeheartedly to the Lord. You see, with her husband gone, there was now a void in her life. But instead of living in despair and loneliness, she turned to the Lord to fill that void instead of man. She just sought the Lord and served the Lord. You know, I know there are those wives whose husbands are not there for them. Many women, even in the church, live life like single women, as though they've never been married. Maybe your husband's at work all the time, or maybe he's left you, maybe he's passed away. But let this be an encouragement to you that even though your husband isn't there for you, God will always, always be there for you. Isaiah 54.5 says, For your Maker is your husband, the Lord of hosts is his name, and your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. He is called the God of the whole earth. It seems like Anna was, was uh, content to live in that reality. She gave herself wholeheartedly to the Lord. Listen, there are great advantages in serving the Lord for single people. For one thing, there's a whole lot less distractions. I mean, when you look at this woman on it, it really shows us the heart of the Lord as He looks on those who choose to serve Him in different ways. I mean, this is a woman who who, who has touched God's heart because of how much she loves the Lord. And she's immortalized now in the Word of God. What did she do? Did she oversee a ministry or did she head up the children's ministry or did she have some large responsibility here in some fashion or some special way? No. Verse 37 simply says she was a woman who did not depart from the temple but served God with fasting and prayers night and day. Prayer warrior. Important to be in fellowship and that's what she does. That was her priority of her life. She hangs out in the temple and fasts and prays. God's so pleased with the condition of her heart and her desire to serve in this way that, that he pours out a special blessing upon her. So, first, Anna was blessed because she fasted and prayed to the Lord night and day. And secondly, once she knew this was a promised Messiah, we read that Anna gave thanks to, and talked about the Lord. Verse 38 She gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all those who look for redemption in, in Jerusalem. Listen, once you meet Jesus, you have nothing but thanksgiving for all that God has, has done for you. And then, as a result, you can't keep quiet about it. Man, I know after I got saved, I immediately went to my family, I went to my friend. Man, I know Jesus, man, Jesus, man, look what he's done for me. And Anna then tells anyone looking for redemption, the one who would bring redemption, has come. She's so excited about it. This word redemption means to release those who are in prison by paying a price. Now, there are a lot of people out there looking to be redeemed, looking to be set free. That's why there's so many counseling agencies out there, support groups that are out there. Well, listen, they are not the answer. Jesus is the answer. He's the one that truly sets people free. And that's what Anna talked about from the moment she saw Jesus. She talked about the Lord all the time. Man, let me tell you about the Messiah. I saw him as a baby coming in. He's the Redeemer of Israel. He can save you. Don't lose heart. That's all she talked about. Listen, do people say the same thing about you? Oh, yeah. Man, whenever I see him, all he talks about is Jesus. Jesus all the time. She's always always talking about what Jesus did and what Jesus is doing in her life. Listen, I say, keep talking. Keep talking. You'll be blessed. Now, this is great. As Mary and Joseph go to the temple, making it their priority to obey the Lord, no doubt needing that comfort and support at the time, as they walk in, they're immediately blessed by getting a double dose of support from Simeon and Anna, who they both made it their priority uh, looking for the Lord. They, they were blessed as well. I think for for so many years they've been waiting and watching and listening and trusting God. And just at the right time, he ministered to them in just the right way. How does this apply to us this morning at Calvary Chapel, Springfield? Listen, as we started out our service, we pray. Lord, speak to our hearts through your word. And as we pray together, the Lord does exactly that in prayer. He speaks to our hearts as we hear his word. And I think that brings about an excitement and an encouragement in our lives. Hey, that God answers our prayers. God is working in my heart. But the way this plays out practically within our fellowship is, is that when we spend time afterwards in fellowship here at the church. There may be some that are hurting, that are in need of encouragement and friendship. Or maybe you're like, like Joseph or Mary in a similar circumstance in that you need a Simeon or an honor to come alongside of you and encourage you. And in the same way, there are Simeon and Anna in the church, in this room, saying, Hey, I, I, I want to encourage someone here. I want to share what God's doing in my life. I want to be able to bless someone. And you see someone, and man, man, it looks like they're really going through a difficult time. Hey, hey, can I pray for you? What's going on in your life? And you meet after service, and you're standing maybe in line to pick up your kids if we have children's ministry second service. And you have that, that fellowship time going on. You're both encouraged. They have a great time. Friendships are, are built. You're strengthened. Because what you're looking for and what the other person is looking for is one in the same need. One person is looking for ministry in their life and the other person is looking to minister in someone, someone's life. Now how does that, that accomplish? Through openness. Through honesty with one another. To have to be willing to say to one another, hey, I'm really going through it right now. Could you pray for me? Hey, you know what? God has blessed me. Uh, Can I pray for you? You know, And and work that out. See, that's why we gather on Sunday morning. That's why we gather on Wednesday night. That's why we, we, we gather for Thursday's men's and women's studies. Yes, first and foremost, it's to study God's Word. That's our priority. But then secondly, it's to minister to one another. That's how God has designed the church to function in the body of Christ, how He's drawn us together from all walks of life, from all over the country, from all over the Ozarks, from... Jack Hibbs Church in California mostly, but, but uh, we had a lot of those guys that come out. But from, from California, a lot of Californians. Everybody comes together here so we can minister in the body of Christ. That's God's design. Notice again in verse 37, we read that Anna did not depart from the temple, but she's there night and day. Some of you probably going, man, that's why I'm at church night and day. That's, that's a great thing. Remember when I first got saved, I wanted to be at church all the time. I want to be involved in Bible study. It doesn't matter when it is. I think what a a blessed fellowship we are in the turnouts we've been having our our Wednesday nights as as the church grows. Because you've made it a priority in your life to be in fellowship and in prayer, to be in God's Word. Because there's a joy that comes from hanging out together in the temple, so to speak, the church. You love hanging out with other believers. And it's a praiseworthy position to be in. And how does God choose to bless you for that? Well, take a look at Anna and Simeon again. They both love to hang out at the temple, and Anna and Simeon both see the Lord. They both experience seeing the Lord because they place themselves in that position. Now, if someone chooses to stay away from the body of Christ, if they choose to keep themselves away from where that spiritual move of God takes place, how often are they really going to experience that kind of touch from the Lord? Not that, that, now that doesn't mean that, that God doesn't speak to your heart when, when you're not here. But what I'm saying is that whenever you are feeling dry or lonely, this is the place where you need to be. To be in fellowship, to be in that place where God can do that special work in your life, not through, not through not only teaching of God's word, but that fellowship together. To get to know other believers, to know where they're at, to have that honesty and trust. So when you go through a time of difficulty, they can be there for you and encourage you. So make it a priority for 2023 to be men and women of the Word. Secondly, to be men and women of fellowship and encouragement, one another with praying for one another, looking for the Lord's return. Finally, let's look at our last scene, verse 39 through 52, and that's point number three, the priority of Jesus. Starting in verse 39, we read, So when they had performed all these things according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own city, Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong in spirit filled with wisdom and the grace of God was upon him His parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover and when he was 12 years old they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast When they finished the days as they returned the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem and Joseph and his mother did not know it But supposing him to have been in the company they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. Now so it was that after three days they found him in the temple, while sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. So when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to them, Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? But they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. Now in this final area of, area of scripture in chapter 2, we, we it's an interesting area because it's really our only true insight into a little bit uh, of what Jesus' true childhood was like. And I'm grateful because the Bible doesn't give us too much information of Jesus growing up because, you see, the Bible records only the things that are important for us to know so that we might gain an understanding and have our lives change. And I don't think some of these these traditional stories about Jesus, his childhood that had been passed through the years, uh, really proved to be anything in the way of giving us a greater insight into the Lord's early days or in changing our lives in any way. In fact, I have a really hard time believing some of them. They say, well, when Jesus was 15 years old, he was practicing some of his miraculous powers, and one day he saw a bird fall from the nest and die, so he picked it up and healed it, and it flew away. Another version of that story goes that Jesus you know, reached down in the clay and formed a new bird, and it received his life, and it flew away. I think all those stories need to fly away. You see, whenever Jesus did miracles, the reason he did them, the Gospel of John tells us, was to bring attention to, to God, to point to the Father. They had a specific purpose to save lives. And since we read in Luke's Gospel that Jesus came to save those who were lost, if there was a miracle like that, surely Luke would have recorded it for us. And there would have been a purpose behind it. So I kind of stay away from those stories. But it's interesting. It is interesting. And we're just going to have to wait till we see Jesus face to face to find out what it was like growing up as a carpenter's son. Asking him whether or not at the time he knew who he was or how all that took place. If when he was working with Joseph in the carpenter shop, Joseph was, was, you know, was showing him how to make something, okay, you need to measure twice, cut once. I wonder if he said, you know, Dad, uh, you know, I, I made you, so I don't really need to tell me how to cut a board. <laughs> I'm even not, I don't think you've had to measure once. Joseph probably looked at him, how does he do that? Does it even measure? He gets the exact cut every time. We don't know. With that said, I do think that this must have been a real difficult time for Mary and Joseph. I mean, they lost Jesus. It took them three days to find him. Now, now, some people think that when they read the story, they say, well, well, what's up with Mary and Joseph? How could they lose their, their kid and go a whole day's journey without realizing he was even gone? I do kind of understand it. I mean, I shared this last week, a family of six growing up, and my mom lost, you know, my little brother at six years old, left him at the 7-Eleven store for two miles away. He didn't realize it until we got home. But, but here's the deal. In that culture, at that time, when they would travel for these feasts, they would travel in huge caravans. And because they traveled in huge caravans, the kids would often do what kids do today. They would run around with the other kids that they were traveling with. So if there were relatives that they traveled with to and from the feast. The kids might go down with Uncle Fred and Aunt Martha and, 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 and hang out with them for a while and come back and forth and, and be around and, and, and to the point where they're going, Hey, have you seen Jesus? The well, last time I saw him, he was in the temple. Well, I thought he was with you. Oh, well, I thought he was with you. Great, we've lost God. I mean, it, it's, it's been 12 years and now we lost him. I saw recently a sketch, comedy sketch from Michael Jr. He said, Can you imagine Joseph at this time? God? You know that son of yours you gave me to help raise? Do <laughs> uh, you have any more? <laughs> they, were, they didn't say that, but 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 I think it must have been really tough for them not knowing where their responsibility as a parent stopped and Jesus' messiahship took over. But where did they find Jesus? It says in verse 46 they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers both listening to them and asking them questions, and all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. I mean, I bet they were. (laughs) Can you imagine? How does this kid know so much? Now, as we close, I want us to focus in on what Jesus' top priority was in his life. Verse 48, it says, His mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. Then Jesus has to correct his parents, he says in verse 49, he said to them, Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? Understand, that statement was said with great respect, yet with very much insight. Jesus' priority was clear when he said, I must be about my father's business. Mom, with all due respect, Joseph is not my father, God is my father. And i got to do what He's called me to do. I have a mission. I have a work here to do. I'm in my Father's house doing my Father's work. I think this verse really gives to us a true indication of Jesus' heart, even at an early age. His life was consumed with four passions. First, doing His Father's will. Second, having His Father's heart. Doing His Father's way and having His Father's time. Because Jesus says here, notice, I must, I must be about my Father's business. Not if I have time, not if I have a day off, not if I'm too busy. No, my life is here for one purpose, to be about my father's business. Meaning his father's will, his father's heart, his father's way, his father's time. That was his top priority. That was his passion. What a great example for us to live our lives 2023. Whether you're old or young or in between, that's what it truly means to follow Christ. It's living with an overwhelming desire to please Him and to not do anything in your life that would displease Him. Now, how do I do that? By getting our priorities in order. First, like Mary and Joseph, like Simeon and Anna, in 2023, be men and women of the Word. Make meditating on it, reading through it, and applying God's Word in your life your top priority for 2023. And then secondly, by making Jesus' top priority your top priority What was Jesus' top priority? His Father's will, his Father's heart, his Father's way, his Father's time. Let that be our priority for 2023 till Jesus returns for us. Amen? One more thing. Listen, Mary and Joseph lost Jesus, but they found him being about his Father's business. As we close this morning, have you lost Jesus, so to speak? Do you look at your life right now and wonder if it's where it ought to be? Was there a time in your life when you were stronger spiritually than you are today? You need to go back there. Mary and, Jesus last saw Jesus in, Mary and Joseph last saw Jesus in Jerusalem, so that's where they went. Listen, if you've moved away from Jesus, go back to Him. He's in the same place you, He's always been, right here, right now, waiting for you to come back, return to that first love relationship that you once had with Him. Maybe some of you have never asked Christ to come into your life. You don't know what it is to have your sin forgiven, to have those burdens lifted off your shoulders, to be free from the sin of guilt and shame. You don't have the certainty to know if you were to die today, you would go to heaven. Listen, Jesus was born in that manger, went on to live the perfect life. He died on the cross for all of our sin, rose again from the dead. And He's standing at the door of your heart, and He's knocking. If you open that door, He'll hear your voice. And He'll come in. And He'll save you. He'll forgive you of your sin. He'll wash you clean. and will give you the hope of heaven. So if there's anyone here this morning, if you need to commit your life for the first time to the Lord, do so this morning. Maybe you need to recommit. Lord, Lord I've walked away from you. I want to get back to you. Do so today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time this morning. Thank you for your word. And the power that Your Word has to change our lives. So Lord, I pray these words we looked at would not just bounce off of our backs, Lord, but they would sink, sink deep down into our hearts, into our souls. Lord, that we would make the adjustments in our lives that, that need to be made, the priorities that perhaps need to change. Lord, a commitment to Your Word. A commitment to, to be in fellowship. Lord, a commitment to share our faith, to talk about You to whoever we, we come in contact with. Lord, a commitment to prayer and fasting. Let that be our goals, our priorities for 2023. And Lord, finally, Lord, to to do your will, your way, your timing. Lord, to to honor you, God, our Father, our Lord, our God. Lord, I do pray if there's anyone here that is yet to commit their life to you, to be born again today, that they would do so this morning. That they would say, Lord, I want to know you as my Lord and as my Savior. Maybe there needs to be a recommitment that says, Lord, I haven't been walking with you. I I haven't made you the priority in my life and now I've I've kind of walked away. Lord, I want to come back to you. Lord, know that, that, Lord, we know that you're there for them. That you have a plan and a purpose for their life. They just need to cry out to you. Give their burden to you and you'll save them. That's why you came, Jesus, to to save those that are lost, to give us salvation. While our heads heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, Christians are praying, is there anybody here at all? You want to give your life to Jesus this morning. You want that burden lifted from your shoulders. You want to be born again today. You want to know if you were to die today, you would go to heaven. Anybody at all, if that's your desire, would you raise your hand so I could pray for you this morning? Just, just just between you and the Lord. You want to know Him as your Savior, as your Lord, as your King. The burden lifter. He bridged the gap. He's a bridge builder. He bridged the gap between us and God the Father by dying on the cross for our sins, rising again from the dead. Anybody, at all, just raise your hand so I can pray for you. Anybody here this morning that you you recognize you've walked away from the Lord, haven't made Him a priority in your life, but you want to recommit your life to the Lord, rededicate your life to the Lord, would you raise your hand this morning? Make that recommitment to follow Christ today. Lord thank you for your word, thank you for a time together that we spend in your word now by your Holy Spirit, we ask that you'd help us to accomplish that what we, we we've heard that that what we learned to your praise and your honor and your glory in Jesus name we pray amen.